1: Not only is it a a pleasure to have a a good friend uh, in the proverbial studio, but it dawned on me um, in sort of putting some notes together for the show that the catalyst to launching the Anthony Gordon show uh, dovetails, I believe, with some of the themes, some of the ideas that uh, Dr. Elliot Berlin, a.k.a. Dr. B., um, I think has experience in his journey. He's for the sake of our 2.3 billion listeners. uh, Dr. B is an award-winning prenatal chiropractor, a childbirth educator, a uh, a labor coach, uh, labor doula. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, He's informed pregnancy project. We'll discuss as well, um, which utilizes multiple media platforms um, and helps a lot of folks in the uh, obviously, in the pregnancy space and uh, various tangential um, areas that help a ton of women, and he's got an extremely uh, successful uh, podcast show as well by his own wife. Um, and that is Doctor Villins Informed Pregnancy. Doctor B, welcome to the Anthony Gordon Show.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here in your provincial studio. <laughs> it's good. Uh, it's good to. It's good to be here in a twenty-seven thousand
1: square feet studio. Um, I think. Yeah. So I, I, I think there's so many things I want to talk about uh, in, in the two two hours and 27 minutes we've allotted. So, what I think is a good opening gambit because I think I I got a sense of our listeners and I got a sense of um, what resonates is you just recovered uh, from a scary uh, experience with COVID 19 uh, the uh, the you know the as a result of the coronavirus is that correct? Yeah. So here's what I want to really focus on, which is germane to um, the podcast, is not so much the medical pathology, uh, which I I've heard from many is scary. It's very taxing, but how does the experience of a of being alone, uh, b you know facing the possibility of being uh, into bed or of being of having potentially uh, to need the help uh, of of a machine, in effect, for your lungs to uh, to work uh, to work properly, and and, and knowing that uh, there have been a, you know a, a number of fatalities, uh, uh, that it, it must have been a tough time. So my my question is, just as you, one's forced to look inwards when one's alone in in scary situations like this. Ha- just your thoughts and what the whole experience did for you um, in terms of perhaps the way uh, you, you, you might look at life somewhat
2: differently going forward. Interesting. Um Okay, so first of all, I had my phone with me and I was connected to the outside world through my phone. Uh, the hospital has a very clear policy, not even just for the COVID unit, but in general, no visitors, no guests, unless it's a pediatric patient and they get one parent. Um, so you're, you're, you are alone um, yep. in the ICU, especially you're in a glass cage, sort of, you get a sense of what it feels like to be a, a kangaroo at the zoo. And uh, there's lots of people just walking up to your, your glass cage, looking at you, looking at the monitors around you. Um, and nobody can come into your room unless they fully suit up, you know, full personal protection. So a gown, a uh, mask a face shield gloves and uh, there was one moment where i just couldn't breathe at all and i had this attack where i thought i was going to die and um you know understandably i'm not complaining but i had to wait about three minutes from the time i called the nurse till she could actually come in the room because she had to suit up with all those things it felt like forever Um, so you're alone in there but you're connected to the outside world through the through the phone um i remember having this very interesting moment a flashback to when I was sitting in the comfort of my bed watching on cable news as a jetBlue plane um, its landing gear had malfunctioned and it was going to have to make an emergency landing without its uh, landing gear and yep. the reason I was so dramatic to watch and is it going to be okay not be okay and they literally watched they showed the whole plane landing but uh, JetBlue had just recently installed live television. <clears throat> and the thought that went through my mind is, wow, people on the plane are watching it unfold as it's happening. That's kind of what it felt like because I would turn on my phone, the headlines would pop up. As I'm in the ICU, I'm getting worse every day, not better. And you just see the headlines, another 400 people died of coronavirus today. And uh, wow. all the people are being intubated and we don't really know what medications work and what make it, This one might make it better, but it also might kill you. And so it, I, I eventually, I had to shut that off completely. Um, when, sure. I, when I first went into the hospital, I was doing mediocre. I was having shortness of breath. I had the cough. I had the fever. Um, on my first day there, things seemed to improve a bit. And the nurse was like, you may only be here for a couple of days. The next day, I crashed. And I, that's what landed me in the ICU. Um, and great. I actually got to the ICU on a Saturday morning. <clears throat> So um, I woke up and my oxygen saturation level was lower, you know, not to get too much into the technical details, but that's what we're looking at. Can your lungs get enough oxygen into your body to supply your blood with enough oxygen to fuel your cells or not? And with the maximum amount of oxygen that they can give you, not in the ICU, I was no longer able to stay over 90, which is the critical point. So. They moved me to ICU, and it's just very, very, very intense there. Um, It lives up to the name intensive care. And uh, it was Saturday at noon, and, uh, you know, that's that's our Sabbath. I couldn't – I I, I could have perhaps called family or talked to somebody, but I didn't see the value in it. I thought I would ruin their Sabbath, and it wouldn't really help me very much, you know, to have a quick phone call. So – Um, That was one very powerful moment where I just looked at the clock watching the seconds take away from 12 o'clock until, you know, almost eight o'clock at night. And uh, it was very hard. I, I really fell back on the different songs that we sing on Sabbath um, to celebrate um, and just singing them over and over in my head I couldn't really use my voice at all uh, and just closing my eyes and trying to use that to pass the time and experience at least some of the magic of the Sabbath that, that is healing to the soul <clears throat> eventually I was able to call them and, um, and it felt good I, to call them but I don't know it triggered something very emotional in me. I'm not a very uh, crying person but I couldn't even talk to them to tell them that I was I was moved to the ICU and they're thinking about intubation and uh, the nurse just had to do all the talking. Um, and then that's the night that I had that fit. Later that night, I tried to lean back and, and get some rest. Oh, gotcha. um, and very hard to sleep at all. Um, again, not complaining, but just uncomfortable. You're connected to a blood pressure cuff that's checking blood pressure every 15 minutes. Um, got. I had three IVs at that point. I was connected to an EKG monitor, a pulse cool. oximeter. Um, luckily I was still able to, you know, have control over my, my own bathroom functions. Um, so I I didn't have a catheter there, but very uncomfortable. So I just was exhausted. I wasn't eating or drinking. I was on a no food, no liquid, um, regimen. And so I just wanted to try to get a little rest and I leaned the the bed back and I guess maybe something blocked my airway. And I, I had that attack and I thought, there, a oh. I thought I was going to die, and then B when the nurse came in and kind of gave me albuterol and helped me off with that, I thought I'm definitely going to end up on a ventilator. That night well, I cried a lot.
1: <laughs> I can imagine. I want to I, I want to um, interject just one moment because I think it's relevant to uh, um, it's relevant to, to I think the premise of the Anthony Gordon show. I think um, very much to what you do for a living, and, and that is if you I assume you. Seriously, at, some, at that point when, when, uh, when the crisis hit, seriously entertained the possibility that you would meet your maker? Yes. At that point in time, um, which for many is called the, uh, the psychological white tunnel, can you give our listeners a sense of just what was flooding through your mind?
2: Um, at that very moment, I felt a direct line to my maker meaning um you know in our faith we we connect directly to god multiple times per day um and i felt like there was an open line of communication so i prayed i called out to god and i said you know i'm i'm not ready there's so much i want to do here um and it it sparked it was quick but it sparked um a very introspective night. Um, First of all, I went on social media and I just saw this incredible outpouring of love from people I haven't seen in years sometimes, to people I saw recently, from patients sharing their personal stories about how I uh, affected their life or their birth, um, to family members, to friends, to college classmates. um, And it Mm. just really, I cried so much that night. I'm not a crier, I just, I felt a lot of junk coming out of me, a cleansing sure. of my soul and my spirit. It was intermixed with me, like just praying. Um, yep. And I feel like it cleared a space for healing to take place, if that makes any sense. Yep, um, it absolutely does. And, and the next morning was pivotal. Uh, the doctor called from who I'd never met before, from the other side of the glass, you know, they don't yep. like to come in if they don't have to. He called me on my cell phone and he said, look, Elliot, um, you're getting worse every day, not better. You're at a low point and intubation is the way to go here, the ventilator. Um, oh it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep your lungs going until you, they have a chance to heal and then we'll take you off of it. Um, and it's a lot better to do it before the emergency takes place when you're not panicking for air it goes better. And that made a lot of sense to me. And I accepted it, except that the nurse came in and she's the one who actually comes into the room with you and spends some time with you. And she said, doc, I just want you to know over the last 90 minutes, his breathing seems to have cleared up a bit. And he said, I'm here, you know, let's, let's hold off for right now. By the end of my shift, let's reevaluate. And uh, by the end of his shift, it was actually even a little bit better, meaning they were able to turn down my oxygen a little bit and I was still able to hold the saturation. So he said, you know what, you bought another day. Let's see what tomorrow looks like. And that was my turner, my corner turning moment. And after that, it just got slowly but steadily better and better and I avoided the ventilator. I avoided other scary things too that they wanted to do. That um, I consented to, because I would have done anything necessary, right. yeah. but... Um... But thank God, it just it just got better from there on out. And I still sometimes go back and, and read those messages and all the people who were praying and setting up prayer circles and prayer groups. It just, I, I feel like it it changed everything for me. So it's very introspective. It's kind of like what we do before the Jewish New Year. I, I, I spend time looking deep inside myself and saying, you know, who am I and, how, and what am I doing here in this limited time I have on this earth? Um, how am I as a husband? How am I as a son? How am I as a father? How am I as a doctor? How am I as a businessman? How can I do better? And, and, you know, the silver lining for me in my life, but I think in the world in general, the whole world together is going through this at once. And there's a lot of illness, which is not good. There's a lot of death, which is tragic. There's a lot of financial devastation. But I think yeah. there are also some silver linings. And... Um, exactly. Yeah, for me, one of the silver linings is I, I'm reevaluating and recalibrating what's important to me in life.
1: Well, I just want to pick up on a few things. Uh, firstly, that's uh unbelievably powerful story and and, and without doubt, life changing. So I think one of the things that I've tried to do, Dr. B, in my, in, in my life, I think the role that I play with a lot of people is to try to be a good listener. And I want to, I'll tell you the subtext of what I heard. Firstly, I think it speaks volumes uh, about the kind of person. Uh, that you are, that uh, firstly not wanting to, you know, sort of impose on your family uh, during Shabbat, so that they would have peace of mind for Shabbat. Uh, I think it, I think it's pretty incredible, and and uh, I think you'll need to to say, uh, I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining, but I'm not complaining. But I think I think the innuendo attached to that is that obviously you're a person who has deep gratitude, and that is is loath. Uh, you know, to play victim. Um, but I, I, I think that one of the things that I've uh, done in, in, you know, a number of the lectures that I've given over the years at um, events and uh, retreats, et cetera, is, is uh, on near-death experience. And it's interesting if you study, um, you know, the leading authors, uh, Moody, uh, Ian Stevenson and others, uh, is two things that you just say is, is fascinating. There seems to be a consensus amongst all uh, people that experience an NDE that at some point, there's many of them have the decision they feel whether to go back, so to speak, or whether to let go. So the fact that you, in your own way, sort of uh, had a visceral, intuitive sense, "I'm not ready to go," I, I, I would stuff to do. A not only resonates uh, hopefully with my listeners, but certainly with me and. Um, dovetails with all the research, but B, uh, uh, if in fact Dr. Elipen is going to come back and uh, continue and hopefully have many decades, there then becomes a question. So how am I going to use uh, the, you know? Uh, how am I going to use my this time? And 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 uh, um, clearly you've done the introspection. Clearly you you've reevaluated um, you know and. and sort of recalibrated priorities, which is, which is incredible because I always I often quote, uh, I believe in in the name of Winston Churchill that I think most people in life at some point uh, sort of trip over, trip over the truth, trip over the, the meaning, trip over what they're supposed to be doing with their lives. But sadly, most of them get up and keep running. And I think what this is, what I'm hearing from what you're saying now and having heard your podcast which is incredible is uh, is that this is clearly a seminal seminal moment in your life, and that it's very, very, very difficult for you to uh, continue living your life without having changed in, in in a very
2: in a very real way. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. I got released uh, just before Passover, and I was able to be home with my family for Passover, which I was so grateful for. I was feeling oh. a lot better every day. Um, just like a day before Passover I was able to start singing again so the Seder night was really beautiful Um, normally we either go out or have a lot of guests which is also nice but to just be our family unit was really really beautiful and special and one of the questions the kids are always encouraged to ask questions one of the questions was why do we focus so much on the slavery why don't we focus a lot more on the freedom now that we're free and um, the answer that I gave was because when you're in the moment of slavery, when you're suffering and you don't know how it's gonna end and when it's gonna end, that moment breaks you down to where you can reevaluate yourself and you can focus your energies and intentions on a survival, but also improving yourself and becoming better. And Beautiful. I see that already. I see that Beautiful. with this NDE in the rear view mirror, those yep. commitments that I made, I still have to remind myself now every day. Um, I said no, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna do this. There's going to be dinner time every day for our whole family to sit down and have dinner, and the temptation comes up to have an opportunity to have a meeting or to take a client. Um, and part of me wants to, but I have to go back to that moment and and relive it and say no, this is this is a change that I want to make. So it's kind of interesting Amazing. to see. That as it gets into the rearview mirror, and you're not as uh, desperate and in survival mode anymore, it's easy to get back into those old habits. So I've been working hard to resist that.
1: That's that's absolutely amazing. I, and and so sort of as I was preparing for the show and thinking, the um, I think one of the common denominators, Doctor B, that, that uh, I believe you and I have, uh, and I'll say it in very basic terms, is that. I think the role that, that I've sort of begun to assume in a number of people's lives is, and I think primarily professional athletes um, and a number of high profile celebrities is sort of act as their quote unquote rabbi, their, um, uh, you call them life coach and their confidant. And I see that a person like yourself, you are a key person. In at certainly at a critical point in many people's lives, the birth of a baby um, is certainly on Maslow's hierarchy of by, by all accounts is you know one of the most powerful events in any person's life, and I think that the role that I, I, I see that you play by the you know by the research that I've done and some of the interviews that I've heard is that you know it's not. It, it's not just a clinical doc. I think that y- you really are someone who um, coaches, navigates people through one of the most powerful life experiences that they go through. Um, many people, I believe, go through a metamorphosis after giving birth to a child. So, I'm interested in, in um, your thoughts on uh, really the role that you play at a, at a critical moment in many li- in the life of, of, of many women, and and sort of how you balance the the medical side versus you for sure are a confidant a uh, certainly a sounding board a psychologist to 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 many and um, and and also interested to to get a sense from you as to how you see uh, some of your patients changing you know after they've given birth to another beautiful
2: human being um, it's it's never a uh, birth was never a path that I thought I would end up in a, uh, a series of little arrows popped up over my life that pointed me in one direction or another. And uh, the next thing I knew, I found myself um, working primarily with the pre- and postnatal clientele. Uh, it never gets old. It's the most incredible thing to be a part of that journey as a new sure. life comes into the world. Um, but it's it's dramatic. Um, it's always naturally dramatic. And sometimes drama is beautiful. It's just... It's intense, and so I think that even when birth goes really well, those moments leading up to, especially when someone has their first baby, um, the, the life change that takes place is so big, um, and and to be a part of that before and after the baby comes, uh, we always say there's like two births. There's the birth of the baby and the birth of the mother, and also the birth of the father or partner as well. Yeah when that baby comes, and so it's a constant reminder for me um, about about life in general, the preciousness of life, but um, it's it's interesting. I think that uh, I used to work in ambulances as an EMT, and yeah. I think that 90% of the work that we do as an EMT is PFA, psychological first aid.
1: Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. Yep. Yeah.
2: And um, I feel that way now. So I'm a chiropractor, and most of the work that I do is working on muscles and joints and tendons and helping them function better. And as a result, that someone can can feel better and have a better, more functional pelvis going into birth. Um, And that's what I do mechanically. But I still feel like sometimes 90% of what I do is psychological first aid. And, uh, you know... I, I think every every ounce that I give, I, I somehow get back also, and and I've been doing oh, it for a long yeah. time now, and so I I am in the unique position to be able to help people feel more comfortable physically and emotionally going into this transition. It's interesting,
1: uh, you know, Doctor B. Growing up in South Africa, I drew um, my formative years. My late mom, um, I guess, saw my uh, you know my proclivity to feel comfortable speaking in public, and I was. When uh, while we didn't have much, didn't have much of a financial, I grew up in a very humble way. uh, I guess my mom felt that it was worth uh, investing in a you know very expensive elocutionist coach, a speaking coach, and so I got tuned into intonation and voices. And I'm just listening to your voice. You you have a very soothing way about you. You've got a very calming voice, and I think that 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 must be uh, incredibly helpful um, when. You know, truth be said, you're dealing with clearly one of the most stressful moments in a person's life. And, and uh, it seems that, uh, however, however God had to navigate you to, you know, for you to find this niche. It, it clearly, it, it's you know, you are perfectly suited to your to uh, what I what I see as your calling here.
2: Thank you. I mean, it it feels that way. And, and again, it's as a kid, if you said, what do you want to do? I didn't even know what a doula was. I didn't know anything about birth. I wasn't even sure where babies came from. So, uh, (laughs) so for life to push me in this direction, um, it just, it, I feel grateful. I think that not everybody always finds what, what they're great at or what they really love doing. And I work very hard, but it, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel hard in the moment because it's so rewarding. So sure. I'm, I'm really grateful for that.
1: So I, I wanna be um, sensitive to time and we, you know, um, there are one or two questions that I ask every single guest, uh, which, I'll, which are, I'll, I'll leave for the end, but uh, one question I wanna, I'm sure my listeners will know from one uh, podcast host to another. I'm interested in, in what the catalyst was of, of you launching uh, Dr. Berlin, Dr. Berlin's Informed Pregnancy podcast, which, uh, you know, I've heard, I've, terrific content, got a lot of traction, definitely uh, touching, you know, a lot of folks' lives.
2: What, what was the, how, how did that
1: sort of come into to focus?
2: Uh, that's a good question. I was a drama major in uh, school, uh, speech and drama, and I don't know why I did it because I always knew I was going to get into healthcare. And now it's kind of really come back in a powerful way to help me out. Um, what I feel is like healthcare has changed a lot over the past uh, decade. And uh, oh. it's always going to keep changing very quickly. And some, in some ways it's changed a lot over the past three months. But um You know, when I was a kid, my parents, they would take us to the doctor and you would always do whatever the doctor told you to do. That's just the way it worked. They had one goal, which was to to get you healthy or keep you healthy. Um, Things are changed. Healthcare providers are pulled in a lot of different directions. Uh, There are some things that uh, have more or less liability, which is risk to your doctor, not necessarily risk to you. Uh, Things that are gonna be paid for or not paid for well by insurance companies. Um, things that take more or less time. So so when it comes to options, um, doctors are human and we're just pulled in a lot of different directions, just like we drive defensively, sometimes we have to practice medicine defensively, but as a result, you don't necessarily get laid out to you the full complement of options that should be available to you with risks and benefits mm-hmm. and, and for you to be able to choose. So I started writing articles first that became a website, the informedpregnancy.com website. Yep. Um, and just like a blog and articles, because I would get these questions over and over again about topics yep. that I, I didn't know the answers to. So I would do research and post answers and, and write articles. Um, that turned into a magazine and eventually the Informed Pregnancy podcast. So we go for a mix between entertaining and informative. And some of the episodes are with uh, really experienced professionals talking about a specific topic. Some of them are Talking to uh, women or their partners about the experience of, of of their birth journey, and some of them are celebrity interviews um, about various different topics, usually around pregnancy, motherhood, and childbirth. Brilliant. So I, I
1: um, here, here's, here's a question I asked. Uh, I like to ask every single guest, and I think uh, we it's always been a trigger for interesting discussion. If question number one is as follows. If you could choose to be any person in the world they might, they might have passed on, they might still be around, to spend 10 minutes worth alone asking them any question, who, who would that be and, and, and why? Any, any person at all? Any person at all? I mean, I know that you were going to say me, so
2: let's just say present company excluded. Yeah. Uh, truthfully, it would be my dad. My dad passed away when I was a teenager, and um, I was too young to fully appreciate him, and um, and to pick his brain. And uh, there, there are many pivotal moments in life where I, you know, I wish he was there for me to talk to. That's beautiful.
1: So I,
2: I, I always try
1: and end uh, an episode <clears throat> with, um, with, with, with. The following question, because I believe this is the reason uh, that the, the this show was launched, and that is really focused, I think, primarily at the millennial generation. Um, you know, unlike the cliche of, you, you, you know, you live and learn, um, I think you and I are from a school of thought, which is more about you learn, and then you go out and live. And the chances are, if you learn, if you have the roadmap before, uh, if you get, if you are armed with the tools to navigate the vicissitudes of life, the chances are uh, you'll avoid the landmines and have a more successful life. And so if you were to impart to our listeners um, some ideas and thoughts, tools, call them pearls of wisdom that you think that they should embrace as someone who clearly has gone through the functional equivalent of a near-death experience, Someone who uh, has seen, uh, has uh, you know been involved in bringing life into this world. Uh, So I think you have a perspective that is unusual. Um, The kinds of life, life uh, lessons that that they don't teach at Harvard Business School. What, 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 what are uh, you know a couple of vignettes or let's call them uh, you know tools that folks can put in their toolbox that you think would be helpful to them to more live a more meaningful successful life
2: um, two pop into my head one is uh, I, a lesson that I came out with is that time is a much more covo- uh, valuable commodity than than money um, you know you can do a lot on on a small budget on no budget but and and you can lose money and gain money but you never gain time and so. Yeah the value of each second, of each minute, hour, day, um, and how you spend it, what you wanna do with it, um, it, it, it became very clear to me that I, I need to be more careful about that and um, what do I wanna accomplish and the amount of time I have to do it is never gonna increase, it's only gonna decrease. So uh, it doesn't feel like a lot of pressure, but it does feel like I'm making better use of, of that valuable precious commodity than I had in the past. Um, this the second thing that kind of comes into mind for me is um, is my family, um, and my and I guess the third thing would be my own personal health, like investing in my health. Um, perhaps that's one way you can get more time is by by improving your health. But um, I, you know, my wife was. I, sometimes you look at two toddlers and you get them together for a play date, two two year olds. And you realize they're not really playing together, they're playing next to each other. <laughs> and yeah, it almost yeah. feels feels like what was happening in my family. We were ships passing in the night, we are both working too much. Uh, sure. The kids were in school all day, they'd come home, I'd still be at work. I'd sometimes frequently leave and my whole family was sleeping and uh, come home and my whole family was sleeping again. And wow. uh, that that's happened way too many times. So the, those are the kind of the things that I come away with. And if people find them helpful um, that's great too but uh, the value of time and you know what you want to do with it if you want to make something positive of each moment or or waste them Um, the value of family and really investing in that you know relationship even with my wife if I don't if I'm not available if I'm not accessible there's only so close we can be but if we invest the time and we we see the results you become very very close um, and it's also the same with my kids i, I feel very close to them now mm-hmm. and i've always loved them and they always love me but we feel much closer to each other and i also feel much better about taking the time to eat better to get a little exercise to sleep more um, i already feel it in my body i can see that not only am i recovering I'm close to fully recovered, but not quite there. No symptoms for a long time now, but just the energy takes a while to come back. Um, But I can see the trajectory, and I can see I'm going to overshoot where I was before. I was just hoping to get back to myself, but I can see that if I keep up the sleeping and the exercise and eating well, I'm going to overshoot where I was before, and that's a good feeling.
1: Absolutely beautiful. So I want to be respectful. I that uh, you've got uh, got to take a call, and I'll I'll, I'll sign up by saying the following. In a world, you know, where it seems that you know, so many people about the i, uh, the i tablet, the i the iPhone, it's really, it's really refreshing to speak to someone um, who is so focused on others, not about i. Um, I want to encourage our listeners to check out Dr. Belen, Dr. Berlund's informed Pregnancy podcast, which I think um, you know has lessons for life that can that's far beyond just you know uh, women that are expecting babies and the world is a better place dr b for for you being in it thank you for your time and thank you for being on the anthony gordon show
2: oh thank you and thank you so much for having me and for the uh, brilliant work that you're doing here thank you